It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Here's Winfield fielding the punt. Spins off of a couple tacklers. He's still on his feet. Winfield still going. Down the sideline, getting a couple blocks across the 10-yard line. Antoine Winfield, what a tank. Minnesota touchdown, 75 yards. Back from the State Fair, um, Mackie and Judd was Mackie and Judd for the first two hours. Uh, Phil has checked out now, so it's Judd and Manny. Uh, Matthew Collar will join us at noon to talk Vikings. We are uh, not in the TCL broadcast studios today, but they are on the move because we're at the porch at the State Fair and Manny Hill. So who was that? Who was that doing the play-by-play? She uh, sounds pretty good. That was uh, Lisa Byington, I believe. Her, her oh, name really? Was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sounds pretty good. She did the game with uh, with former Ohio State and Wyzetta star James Laronitis last night. Oh, really? Okay. Yes, he's gotten into the uh, into the color commentary job. Um, that Winfield return. All right, let's start there. Antoine Winfield Jr. And that family, that entire athletic family <laughs> is incredible because they're not the biggest guys. Mm-hmm. But Ant- and, and Antoine was the same way. Damn, he was good. Smart football player. Smart football player. Yeah. Uh, kept playing for a long time based on the fact that he was tough as nails and, like you just said, incredibly smart. But the kid, you see him play. And you can't say this about a lot of players, especially in recent Gopher football history, Manny, but he is he is the definition of a difference maker. He gets the ball. I believe the story going into last night was he hadn't returned punts. Somebody floated the idea to P.J. Fleck that, hey, you know what? We, we were terrible in punt returns in 2017. We should, we should try this. And, you know, punt returns are tough. Punt yeah. returns are tough because guys are on you instantly. Antoine Winfield Jr., I'm not saying that he looked completely polished last night, but first of all, that return for a touchdown was incredible. And second of all, for a guy who you're basically, for the first time in a live game, saying catch this and do something, this is if this kid stays healthy, this kid's going to be a lot of fun to watch. He is, and he, he's starting to kind of remind me of just that guy. Maybe not quite as good, but kind of like what Charles Woodson was at Michigan where you just he's just a good football player and he has good football instincts so that just having him on the field is is going to be a benefit for you now does that mean they should be lining him up at wide receiver and having him running routes or anything like that no but obviously he's shown that he can return he can return kicks now and uh we know how good he is as a as a as a defensive back so i mean i i think just the way you can have him as often as you can to have him out on the football field is uh, is going to be beneficial for this team. Uh, your thoughts last night on the debut of Annexted, the true freshman quarterback. 
Uh, the only the only thing that gave me cause for pause, and and this might be mechanics and easily correctable, is that there were some passes, especially out routes he threw, that weren't really crisp passes. Mm-hmm. But the starting point of the positive for me was it looked like the ball went where he wanted it to go and where the receivers did as well. And there was no trying to, you know, you didn't see a lot of guys trying to reach down to catch the ball at their ankles or jumping as it sailed into the fourth row. For a true freshman making his first start, and I, I get the opponent was bad. Mm-hmm. So so the pressure the pressure is going to go up as the which opponent improves. Which I think for him is good that well, you're going up against a bad opponent. That's what I said. I said, so if you're a Gopher fan, the read on last night's game is impossible because New Mexico State just stinks. But if you are a Gopher fan and or connected with the team and you're starting a true freshman quarterback, that was the perfect team to start against because it at least gives him confidence and a baseline where he can work on some things without the fact that, you, that you've got a top-notch defense coming at him. From what I saw, and, and I didn't see the entire game, but from, from the bits and pieces that I saw, he looked at least, he looked competent, and he looked like a guy that was not wide-eyed. He didn't have the deer-in-the-headlights type of look. He just looked like, okay, I'm here. This is my job. I'm going to come out and perform to the best of my ability, and I'm going to do, do the best I possibly can. And that's, I think, for a true freshman, a walk-on, Yes, I think that's what you need. I, I think... Because players, players are going to see that. His teammates are going to see that, and they're going to play even harder for him. And they're going to go out for extra. They're going to go that extra mile for him. And, uh, and, and, I, and I think just confidence and being able to lead the huddle, I think it's going to be big for him. And, and so far, it looks like he's capable of doing that. It was either yesterday or two days ago, Manny. You said you just want to see some semblance of a passing game. Yes. And, and, I, and I, yes. Think, I think with this kid at quarterback, I, I, there might be – some type of passing game there for for the first time in a long time at least. Mitch Mitch Leidner to me, Poor and man. and I and I don't I don't want to I you know he, he's not playing for them anymore so I don't want to just okay. like hammer home on the kid. But Mitch ahead, Leidner to me just never never at any point did he ever look really comfortable. But he wasn't a passer. He wasn't a passer. I mean it, it wasn't it, in some ways it's kid it's not your fault. Like that's. It, it it's really sad when you watch a golfer football game and you see the ball go to where it should go and you're like, that's it, that that's what you want to see. Yeah. But it is. Yeah. Uh, Fleck told a story in the post game last night uh, that I thought was very telling and is an extreme positive for this team. Annex did get off to a bad start. I think his first incompletion turned out to be. It looked like Johnson dropped it, but but it was actually tipped at the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. There was another pass tipped. There was the shotgun snap that he dropped, and New Mexico State recovered and turned into a 13-yard touchdown pass. Anyway, at some point in time, as all these things transpired, Anixted came to the sideline, and according to Fleck, put Anixted put his hand on Fleck's shoulder and said, it's going to be fine. And Fleck said he said to him... He doesn't get rattled. And That's Fleck, what it seems and like. And Fleck claimed he said to Anixted, so you're telling me it's going to be fine? He says, yeah, it's going to be fine. And if that's true... For an what eighteen year old kid, that's a big deal. Fleck was excited about that, but he should be. But I mean, if if he related that story exactly as it happened, think about that. Yeah, I can tell you a lot of twenty five year old quarterbacks who we've seen get incredibly flustered. We've seen so many. We've seen so many snap. Yeah, well, we've seen so many quarterbacks. I mean, we saw how many times did we see Christian Ponder playing for the Vikings? (laughs) 
And if something bad early happened on in, in the game, yes. Christian was he was screwed the entire, it was the entire afternoon. It was over for him. And it was kind of the same thing with Mitch Leitner. How many times have we gone to Gopher games with Mitch Leitner and say, he's got to get off to a good start. He's got to get into a rhythm. If he can do that, then he'll be okay. And whenever Mitch got into early trouble, it was, it was over for him the rest of the day. And we saw last night, Anikstad got in a little bit of trouble. A couple things didn't go as planned. And he kept his cool and he relaxed and he did okay. And the important thing to that is Anikstad's going to have bad games. Yes. There's no question about it. He's going, he's going to play. The Gophers are going to play Big Ten teams. And there's going to be times this year where he's going to be overmatched and he's going to melt down and be awful. So and he's a freshman and it should yeah. be expected. So then, yeah. so, the, so then the question becomes, how does he respond? Yep. Because, because Manny, the code for everything that we always said about uh, Ponder and Leidner was, what's going to go wrong? Like, how is it going <laughs> to go wrong? It was never, because we always said things like, if they don't screw up at all, it's going to be fine. Yeah. Think about that ask. So you're asking two quarterbacks who clearly struggled with the dynamic of playing what, what could be argued to be the most um, important and difficult position in pro sports. You were saying if nothing goes wrong, they'll be fine. Well, that's not going to happen. So in Anikstad's case, I think it's a good start that there were some things last night early on. I mean, when you drop a shotgun snap, that's your fault. Mm-hmm. And as far as I could tell, that was not a terrible snap. He just dropped it. And that would be very easy at that point to say, oh, no. Right? Because yeah. as, as an observer in the press box, I sort of did. <laughs> but then if he truly went over to his head coach at, at, at that age and said, it's going to be fine, that's a, it's it's a, a good li- sign. It's a little bit cliched of story, but it's also a really positive story. And, you, and you, you know, we want to be careful. We want to you know, taper our, our reactions to this. It is just one game. But it is, it's encouraging, if anything, because – and. It doesn't help that we've seen so much bad quarterback play with this right. with this program over the years. Right. Um, but I think this is just an encouraging sign, and it, and, it, and it gives you an idea that, you know what, okay, they might have well, something here, and they might have a guy who's going to be their quarterback for the next uh, couple of years. And as we discussed on the Thursday show, this entire season, to me, is about steps in the right direction. This entire season. So, so I'm not even saying from last night. The, the win itself against the opponent does not excite me, but I think you can look at the fact that you had a freshman walk-on quarterback starting. It's context. And, exactly. And, yeah. and that, but that's all we got. That's all we got here. It's go for football. <laughs> so so I'm, I'm willing, in this case, I'm willing to split hairs. I'm willing to split hairs, and as you just said, put context to the opponent stunk. The overall total points uh, is what it is. I don't put that, that much value into scoring that many points but what i do put value into is what can this offense and what can that quarterback do to eventually take the the correct steps to maybe one day not in 2018 be successful and and max touched on it too they have a passing game it looks like they have some form of like a legit passing game where you know he made all the he made all the, the the easy throws and it seems like there's a willingness to make the tough throws, too, for this kid. And if he can do that, I mean, I, I think he'll be fine. I mean, it's, I mean there's, a lot of, there's a lot more playmakers out there than they've had in, a, in the yeah. last few years as well. I mean, they got some actual well, John, well, they, Big Ten football players out there. That, I don't know if you could have said that a couple of years ago. Right, you couldn't. And they might be young, but, I mean, they, they at least have a, 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 some 
big, real Big Ten football players that actually deserve and belong there. Their receiving core last year was a mess. It was a mess. I mean, what did you have? Yeah, I mean, because what happened was, I mean, Tyler Johnson was, he was productive at the start of the year, but then teams started to key in on yeah. him, and then, you know, they were able to shut him down, and then after that, you didn't have, you didn't have a secondary option because there was just nothing else there. All right, let's uh, take a break. Uh, James Murphy is going to have questions when we come back. Chris Singleton at 11.30, of course. He is the ESPN Radio Baseball Analyst on Sunday Night Baseball. Plenty of topics to get to with Chris as well. And then Matthew Collar in the noon hour for an hour of a Vikings discussion. The show is Mackie and Judd. It's Judd and Manny right now from the State Fair. People, people, I have an important announcement. Mackie and Judd are back after this brief timeout Whoa. on 1500 ESPN. State Fair, Mackie and Judd right now is Judd, Manny Hill, intern Max. Uh, and before we get to James Murphy and his uh, three questions, uh, we've got some breaking NFL news. It, thank you, James Murphy. It finally got done. Uh, I'm looking at a Fox Sports report here. I'm sure it's all over by now. The Rams have agreed to a six-year $135 million contract extension. I said that correctly. $135 million uh, with Aaron Donald, according to multiple sources. But the key is, Judd, yes, sir. how much guarantee? Oh, absolutely. And we don't know yet, but we will know soon. Uh, so Aaron Donald and the Rams and Vikings play in, what, week four or so on a Thursday night? Mm-hmm. So uh, Aaron Donald, unfortunately for the Vikings, will be playing <laughs> in that game. All right, uh, James Murphy, let's get to it. Before we talk to Mr. Singleton, what do you got in questions? All right, leading off questions. Um, there has been a lot of Kool-Aid drinking and Rouser playing in the first two hours of the show with me and Phil. Uh, and while we, while we should be excited about Anikstead's performance, to bring things back to earth and appease Judd, how cautious should we be when reacting to last night's win? Overall? Yes, yeah. Like when, when oh, projecting, when projecting how cautious should we be? I would say that you should be extremely cautious because that New Mexico State team is absolutely terrible. I, I'm I'm not joking. I agree. I'm splitting. I'm going to split hairs here and say there are some definite positives, and and I would start with the freshman walk-on quarterback. But if you but I would not take a broad brush and paint this win and be like this is great. Fresno State a week from Saturday will tell us way more. Uh, but I'm being extremely cautious. It does not mean I'm dismissing good performances, but team-wise, right. extremely cautious. And I, I, I just, I warn you all: don't get your hopes up because you beat the Aggies. Yeah, I, I'm with John on this. I, I think we got to be extremely cautious. Still, I think we saw some encouraging things last night, which is good, especially from the young quarterback. But um, New Mexico State is awful. They were coming off an awful performance at home against Wyoming last week. They were coming off a short week after playing an awful game against Wyoming last week. So we do have to sort of taper our excitement a little bit, but I think there were some encouraging signs last night. And because it's his last day, intern Max, I want you to weigh in on questions as well. So what's your thoughts on this? Yeah, I I think you guys just kind of hit it on the head. I I mean, we played New Mexico State. Their wide receivers couldn't catch a cold. Uh, (laughs) They were were good. Nicely played. I don't want to bring this up because this might get people angry, but they did lead in the second quarter, ten to seven. So uh, <laughs> I mean that that did happen. Uh, you know, the, yeah. There's a lot of good. There's a lot of good things you can point to from that game yesterday. But uh, it was New Mexico State, and I, I agree with you, Jay. I think Fresno State. You, you get a good win there, and and you know you just keep building and building. Yesterday in the press conference. 
PJ was like, we're just starting. Yep. We, we, we're, we're, we got a 24 freshman played, you know. So, yeah, good start. Let's see what happens. James? <laughs> now, I don't know why you guys can't just go out on a limb and start hammering the rouser, drinking Kool-Aid, uh, twirling your shirt drinking around your head. Why, gold Kool-Aid. Why there can't can only you... be so many Jimmy Murphys, that's why. <laughs> Uh, there's been a lot of talk from fans during this preseason about the backup quarterback for your Minnesota Vikings. Kyle Sloter has outplayed Trevor Simeon in the preseason, and while I said and write that down that Kyle Sloter would make the 53-man roster, would you consider trying him at backup if Kurt, Kirk ever gets injured? Uh, as bad as Trevor Simeon might have looked um, in the previous preseason game not really speaking on last night the four i'm talking about the 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 third preseason game where he went four for eight for three yards um i still think he's got to be the number two you know he's got actual starting in-game experience he started you know a lot of games for the denver broncos they didn't really have a whole lot of success but i think there's more experience there and i think trevor simeon is capable as a backup kyle slaughter I, i just don't think I mean, even though he's he's looked okay in preseason, I just don't think we've seen enough to say that he should actually be the number two quarterback. So I would still go with Simeon as the number two. Intern Max, yeah, uh, Simeon was eight and six with the Broncos. Uh, kind of a similar team there where they had a good defense and he didn't have to do too much. Uh, so yeah, it's Simeon all the way. Uh, you got to have. I mean, even Case Keenum had some experience, and that I think that did help with his success last year. So yep. yeah, it's. It's Trevor Simeon, Kyle Slaughter, good for you. but uh, he, And he'll probably go to another team if he gets cut here. But, uh, yeah, no, it's Trevor Simeon. I think he makes the team. And, and for the record, I love what this team is now doing as far as you signed a, a big-time QB in your mind. Yep. You've got a backup who, if you have to play him for three games, you, you can. And if Simeon has to play for three games, I don't think it's a train wreck. Right. Like, Because you can't say, Trevor, go in and execute the offense just like Kirk did. If he has to play a whole season, but though, that's where you're probably here, in trouble. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But what I love about this is you also are developing a QB. So if after three years Cousins leaves, I mean, I would be perfectly happy to use a spot on the 53 for the next three years for Sloter to develop and develop. Uh, this team far too often has not done that. I, lo- I love the philosophy. Starting quarterback, veteran backup who can play, but you don't want to play too much and definitely has no future long-term, and then a long-term guy. So I think the Vikings finally have now found the exact right uh, blueprint for a quarterback uh, trio, and, and if this guy takes a spot on the 53 for three years and doesn't play, that's fine. James? All right, for question three, Big Ten play actually got underway yesterday as the Northwestern Wildcats went into West Lafayette and defeated Purdue. Uh, this has been a trend for a couple of years, but I personally would would not like it if it was the Gophers who were playing in a Big Ten opening game in Week One. How yeah. do you guys feel about that trend that has been kind of? I believe it's been about two, uh, three, four years where certain conferences will actually start conference play in Week One. How do you guys feel about that trend? Well, I think. Part of it is just because teams are playing so many conference games now. We're up to nine conference games being played now that the way the scheduling works, I think sometimes you're just stuck with having to have a conference game on on week one. I I have no problem with it at all. I think think non-conference games, I hate non-conference games anyway. I hate, you know, that the... 
it's nice that the Gophers had a nice performance last night, but I don't want to see them play New Mexico State. Nor should you. <laughs> you and know? you certainly don't want to pay for that. Right. Yeah, it's, it's like a preseason game to me. I don't, I don't want to why. I, I want them to play more conference games or at least play, power, play other Power 5 opponents. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you get to learn about your team right away if you play a conference team, you know, right away. I, 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 with the Gophers, you do kind of want them to play New Mexico State and then a Fresno right. State just because you need them to get, with 24 freshmen playing, you need them just to get experience playing any team. It doesn't matter. But, uh, yeah, I mean, conference game, I mean, think about it. TV-wise, it's fun to watch. It's a little better football than a non-conference like what we watched uh, last night. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm cool with it. It's, it's okay. I don't like the Friday night conference. Oh, I should take that out. And, <laughs> and that's the Big Ten. Yeah. That's not the Gophers. That, that's no, that's the, conference that's the money greedy. grab there. Yep. And, yeah. uh, I, if I was a coach, I would hate this. As a fan, I love it. The more high-profile conference games, let's dive right in. Let's yep. get right in. And now, unfortunately, if you're a Gopher fan, you're like, yeah, it's great to start against a cream puff because we could beat a cream puff and all that. But I, I also think if you get to the point where you are a legitimate college football program, yeah, you play a ranked non-conference team. You play a conference game. So as a fan, I think it's fantastic. If I'm P.J. Fleck, I'm like, I don't want to play Purdue yet. I think they Are you should... kidding? I don't want to put Zach Anikstead against the Boilermakers or, or Wisconsin or something like that. I think they should play ten conference games, to be honest with you. I mean, up to nine now? That's kind of how it's trending. I think they need I think to play they, yeah. ten. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to play 12 games... You, I mean, come on. You only need to play about two non-conference games. If you are, if you have a legitimate program, so I'm saying a good team too, now look at their schedules. They're yeah. fantastic, right, for the most part? I mean, you might – if you're Bama, you play what? One cream puff now? One really bad team? They always have that one but it's really like bad team. Four, it's always, like, it's always like an FCS team. But it's, it's always like Georgia like Southern or, four, or something right? like that. Yeah. I think I, – I love the fact – that that college football seems to have now uh, realized. Let's start with good games because it seemed like when I was a kid, it would just be garbage for two or three weeks, and now now it seems like you get to week one. I think this what this weekend you get like five ranked teams playing yeah. each other, something like that. Notre Dame, Michigan. That's great. That's awesome. That's what I want. That's exactly. I want to dive in. I want to dive into good games because I was just. I just had to watch preseason National Football League, which only a crazy man like Matthew Collar enjoys. <laughs> I'll say this though: if you do go to ten conference games, uh, you can basically kiss like a UCF or a Group of Five team. Uh, like they literally have. You have to ex- extend the For playoff sure. then because but, but they you should because which they should already. Because, obviously, their conferences, they, the schedule wouldn't be good enough for them. And I'll even take it a step further, Max. I think 10 games is appropriate for the bigger conferences in terms of size. Like, I think if you're the Big Ten and you have 14 teams. Oh, yeah, it makes mo- Or if you're the SEC and you have 14 teams, you should be playing 10 conference games. And you should be doing everything you can to make your uh, product, which is a professional product, as attractive as possible to the fan bases. So I don't care. I don't care about how the kids feel. I don't care about how the school feels. Yep. You are you right now are ba- you are basically a step below the National Football League. So make it as attractive as you possibly can. It's all about marketing and money. I mean, when you I'm sorry, but when you're the Big Ten and you're playing Friday night games, that's it's got ridiculous. nothing to do with anything but the fact that you're trying to it's make cash. So so let's make it as attractive as possible. Let's give us as many marquee matchups as poss- possible. If if some if some little engine that could school falls by the wayside you think i give a damn i don't care about them you think no the, seriously I, I don't care you think the ncaa would be down for that 
Oh, they definitely would be. <laughs> they definitely would be. They don't care. All right, uh, good, good job, James. Let's come back, uh, talk baseball next. Chris Singleton, ESPN Sunday Night Baseball analyst, joins the show, which is from the State Fair. It's Mackie and Judd, but for the rest of this show, it's Judd and Manny, intern Max, and Collar in the noon hour to talk Vikings. The sights, the sounds, the smells. Live. The State Fair on 1500 ESPN. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. Again, this is where perception and facts are going to meet in the middle here. You're going to be perception. I'm going to be facts. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Mackey and Judd are talking twins now. With former player turned ESPN baseball analyst Chris Singleton. Hi, Chris. How are things today What's with happening? you, sir? Not much. Not much. I, I want to start you off with this one. Since the... I, I do have a Twins question for you eventually, but it's become a long year here, and uh, there's not much hope left aside from seeing prospects. Uh, I want to start you off with a national question regarding J.D. Martinez, who's had a phenomenal season for Boston and uh, is going to make a bid to win the Triple Crown. If J.D. Martinez wins the Triple Crown in the American League, in your opinion, is he MVP or because he is a DH, does that at least um, disqualify him to a certain degree from slam dunk MVP discussion, Chris Singleton? Yeah, I would say, um, yeah, I agree with that. And it also depends on, you know, what are the, the next candidates, what kind of numbers and, and, and what kind of years are they turning in? Um, because, you know, that, that has an impact in all of these races, um, you know, beyond just what the individual is doing, um, what are the other guys doing that are, you know, have different features in their game? Uh, but for me, as it stands, if the pace continues for, let's say, J.D. Martinez, but it also continues for Mookie Betts, I'm going to lean to Mookie Betts because mm-hmm. you've got a gold glove uh, right fielder that right field at Fenway Park is like playing center field based on how, you know, big the pasture is out there and everything else. And then offensively, what he's doing, and you're talking about going out there every day, for me that would be a hard one if they both continue at this pace because they're, you know, neck and neck in, in you know, many ways. That obviously leads an average or, or whatever. Um, but, he, but he's a valuable player, and he has been. Now, Betts, without Martinez, you know, it, he's probably not having the year he has. So it's, there's so many different ways to dissect it and break it down. But I would have to say if J.D. Martinez won the Triple Crown, you'd have to see a bit of a slump for Betts and Jose Ramirez and Mike Trout in the final month of the season for it to be a slam dunk. Chris, this is Manny Hill chatting with you now. Good to talk with you. Um, I want to ask you about Jacob DeGrom of the Mets. He's having a really great year, and he's got an ERA of under two. But you look at his win-loss record, he's 8-8. Eight and eight. And he's pitching on a bad team that's going nowhere right now. Uh, but obviously, with a, with a with an ERA that low, he's been pitching fantastic. And I would think he still has to be in the mix for the Cy Young. What, what's your opinion on how uh, a pitcher's win loss record should factor in on whether or not they should win the Cy Young, uh, despite how low their ERA might be? Well, yeah, that's that's a great question. And you know, the whole win loss thing has obviously come into debate when we're, we're looking at the analytics and, and the sabermetrics and everything else. And this is a unique uh, year with, you know, how well Jacob DeGrom has performed. And when you look at the mess that the New York Mets have been um, for a guy to go out and, and 
pitched the way that he's pitched and so much turmoil surrounding, you know, the team and injuries and, and performance and everything else, you kind of feel sorry for him in a sense that feel like, man, give this guy something. He deserves it. Uh, and not just a sympathy thing, but the <laughs> performance is there. Yep. But with that said, Max Scherzer is having a great year as well. And, you know, Max Scherzer's got more strikeouts. Um, he's got, I think, a, a, a lower whip. And those are things, you know, the strikeouts, the home runs, for the most part, you can control. There may be a park factor, but not so much between those two ballparks those guys are pitching in. You know, if you look in at advantage, um, you know, Scherzer's not facing, or, or DeGrom, you know, he's, he's not facing his team. He's not facing, um, you know, the Mets, which is an advantage for Scherzer because Scherzer does get to face the Mets. So there are a lot of different ways to kind of break it down, but when you look at the numbers across the board, and I think if you were to flip-flop markets and put Max Scherzer, you know, in the New York market, even though it's been a rough season for the Mets, they still – uh, rate higher. They still are a team that people uh, look at. So I think if Scherzer was performing the way he's performing in a Met uniform, then I then I believe that you know, just the recognition that he'd be getting would be a little higher, and people would be leaning more towards. All right, this is the guy automatically. But uh, I, I think Degrom's having an incredible year. I would have loved to have seen him, you know, been traded uh, and gone to a contender, gone to a team, so that. You know, really, you could appreciate what he's doing and and how good he is. Uh, but I, I think the eight and eight at this point, I think that's the record. Really, is not a factor. I, I think just seeing how they finish in the last month, and he's got a great chance to win it, um, depending on how Scherzer finishes and and depending how he himself finishes the season. Hey, Chris, can we? And, and I love baseball stats, uh, and I probably skew a little bit old school, but. Can we fix one thing immediately? And, and I'd like your suggestions for what we should do here. But I think the pitcher win has to change. I mean, if, if we're going to, and now that there are some who say, who cares, you know, get rid of it altogether. And I'm not, I'm not saying that. But baseball has evolved and is evolving so quickly in so many different ways. And the fact is, I think it's a ridiculous rule that baseball has that if you start a game that, that you have to pitch five innings, to qualify for a win, yet if you come in, yet if you pitch four and two-thirds, you don't qualify. But if the game's tied and I vulture you and I pitch an inning and my team takes the lead at that point, I can get the win. Do you have thoughts about that? And if you agree, how could we go about trying to fix this? Because the pitcher win to me now has become incredibly flawed and as stands currently, outdated. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there are times where a guy comes in, you know, pitches an inning or, you know, a, a hitter or two, and then somehow, you know, gets the win for that game. I, I guess the difference between starter wins, reliever wins, if, you know, there was a designation that way to to kind of have a little better sense of, of what's going on. But as we see the landscape changing as well, I mean, you have some of these teams that are, you know, doing the opener and, and they're, you know, starting relievers and kind of working it through that way. I, I think a lot of things... Um, as we've sort of opened up Pandora's box with, you know, changing some of the, the, the rules and being open to the game evolving, that there are a lot of things that, uh, you know, we need to take a look at and, and need to see, hey, how does this need to be adjusted? Or how, how in terms of valuing, um, when it comes to a time for a player, you know, contract-wise or even categorically, um, for awards and everything else, 
um, how we're able to measure that. And I, I think the people out there are, are, are sifting through. But from an official um, you know, standpoint, there, there's, that's one of the things. Um, one of the things that I'm, I'm hot on and big on is this September, you know, roster expansion. And you know, you're in situations where teams that are that have played well all year long and they are in the hunt for a playoff, they're going to be playing teams like the Tigers um, that are going to call up you know, players and they're going to have, you know, at their disposal, lefty righty, lefty righty down in the bullpen, and they're just going to win matchups all night long and they're not going to the postseason but they're going to be able to do that against teams that have performed well under a 25-man roster situation and i think that's one of the things um that needs to be addressed perhaps more more urgently than you know even the pitcher win situation or, or some other things out there i love that yep and and so if nothing else, too, to, to your point, what you just brought up with bullpen construction and stuff like that, that, that means that a sport that's trying to have a better pace and quicker speed, you're right, is going to give guys like Francona more reason and ammunition to go out to the mound and make changes and slow games down. So that's a great point, Chris. Yeah, and, and for you know Francona and the Indians, obviously, they're winning the division and you know, they have a unique situation as well where they, with all the switch hitters in their lineup, it's kind of hard to, uh, for the opposing team to, you know, win that matchup in terms of bringing a guy out of the bullpen. But it's frustrating when you look and you see the game, you know, I, I, I can't remember the number, but I was timing the other night. Just I was doing the, uh, the Phillies game um, on Wednesday and Phillies Nationals, and just there were times where I was like, let me just set my stopwatch in between uh, balls and play. And it was amazing that, you know, you'd have four minutes that might go by there, where there's not a ball in play. <laughs> and so you, com- you couple that with, you know, action, lack of action, and then pitching changes, whether it's the length of game or the pace of play, but, you know, something's got to happen. And I was talking with some Phillies uh you know, folks, uh, organizational folks, and they were even talking about how attendance can be down in big series, and there are not a lot of people out there watching the game, and there are people that have season tickets that are kind of giving their tickets away because it's boring, it's slow. And uh, so they're even experiencing in a great place like Philly where, you know, they get passionate fans, a lot of fans out there, and even for big series, the attendance isn't there. So somehow or another, you know, we got to find a way to to – tighten things up a bit and the players are going to have to buy in and they're going to have to to understand this is a business and this is entertainment and you're not just competing against and really not competing against other sports like nfl they're not really playing at the same time but you're competing against netflix you're competing against youtube you're competing against you know television it's it's not just sport against sport it's really an entertainment landscape and you got to find a way to become more entertaining so, Chris, we have a bit of an interesting situation with Byron Buxton up here in, in, in Minnesota in that, uh, you know, Byron's obviously been struggling with his bat and he's had the injury problems, and now there's there's a question of whether or not the team is going to call him up uh, this September. And the reason why it's such a big question is because uh, it's something like, what is it, Judd, 12, 12, 12 days? Games that sur- if he plays yeah. 12 days, then he gets more, you know, it's about service time, basically. Where so if you have a situation like what we have with Byron Buxton where the bat is struggling and he's struggling with injuries and you're still trying to develop him, how much should a guy's service time 
determine whether or not you want to call him up in September and get him an extra an extra twelve days of uh, of big league play. Yeah, I would say for a team like the Twins in the market, um, you know, that's something quietly that yeah, you're you're gonna definitely consider. And even though you know you say it's not a consideration, I don't see how um, it isn't. I mean, when you're looking at hey, the business side behind the veil uh, of what you're doing, when you're talking about keeping a player from free agency one extra year and a player potentially, um, if Buxton you know, realizes f- his full potential over the next couple of seasons, I mean, you're talking about having a great you know, asset and, and high value still under control. So for any team, in my opinion, to say that that's not part of the consideration, I just don't buy it. It does because it doesn't make business sense. Now, on the flip side, you know, I, I see it from that side, from the ownership executive side, and and they do. The Twins have a unique um, situation in that it has been an injury riddled year for Byron Buxton, and and I'm sure mentally as well. Um, so yeah, you could that can sort of be your excuse, if you will, to say you know we're looking to do what's best. Um, for this player well what's best for that player um, as a former player is not going home not when you've been in the big leagues for the last couple of years and you want a gold glove Um, it's not going home in September while the rest of my colleagues are playing baseball it's being in Minneapolis and wearing a uniform and going out there and playing maybe not every day maybe finding a way to sort of pace things but by no means going home when you're healthy and able to play while the rest of your peers are, are playing baseball. That, I don't see that as being best for the player at all. Amen, sir. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate the time. All right. Thank you. Talk to you next Thanks, week. Chris. Chris Singleton, the ESPN Sunday Night Baseball Analyst. Let's see. That uh, game will be carried uh, Sunday, 7 p.m. right here on uh, 1500 ESPN. It will be Dodgers and Astros. That, oh, that'll be uh, fun that they will be working. So 7 o'clock right here on the station on Sunday night. Actually, um, it's it's Angels-Astros. Oh, it's Angels-Astros. And that'll be the Shohei game, too. Yeah, yeah, which makes zero sense. But that's okay, because <laughs> it'll be exciting to see him before he clutches his arm and walks off the mound. Uh, let's come back, wrap up this hour, and then we are going to get to some serious dissection of the Minnesota Vikings with a man who is all things football, Matthew Collar, in the noon hour. Mackie and Judd right now. From the State Fair, where it, I think it's going to rain here soon, is Judd and Manny. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. Four hours of trauma. <laughs> Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. All right, Judd and Manny from the uh, State Fair, getting set to uh, enter our last hour here. We will, uh, Colin and I will be in studio uh, tomorrow, 10 to noon, for uh, Saturday morning sports talk, breaking down. The roster cuts that will come by 3 o'clock tomorrow when all NFL teams have to go from 90 to 53. Uh, and then there will be a, a uh, if there is such a thing, a best of Mackie and Judd on Monday. Collar, pop on the, the headset because we might as well start now. We might as well start now since your whole life revolves around football. So Collar's mad at me because. And this weekend's all about football. Collar's mad at me because he, he needs a phone charger, but he has an iPhone and I have an Android. And You're, I was telling you guys, I, this, this, is is the reason, this is the reason why I have an Android so that because everybody else has an iPhone, apparently, and nobody bugs me to use, to use my charger. That is incorrect, Manny. I am not mad at you because you have a different type of phone. I'm <laughs> mad at you because I said, does anybody have a phone charger here? And you said, yeah, I have one, but it's for my phone that's not like yours. 
Like that's hey, not dude, helpful. I answered your question though. Helpful. You asked me. You said. You said. Does anybody have but a you, phone charger? But you said. Oh yeah, I have one. But like see, oh. But see, if you had specified, if you had said, "Does anybody have an iPhone charger?" I would have kept my mouth shut. I, I think it's. I wouldn't, geni- have, I wouldn't have said. I a word. think it's genius to have a phone that's not compatible with most people's phone because so nobody bugs you. Because the central question these days is. Do you have a charger? Yeah, and now everybody, you know, and everybody always said, "Well, Manny, you need to get an iPhone." I said, "No, I'm good. I'm good with well, Android." What level I'm of happy. antisocial are you to be thinking about this when you make your phone? Matthew, decision? it's not. It's, it's not about the camera. It's not about it's not how antisocial. well it functions. It's got nothing how it to do looks. with that. It's not wanting to help people. That's not antisocial. If if you can help I Manny, think that's exactly what antisocial is. I'm on caller side here. Same. If you can, if you can help Manny. On. He's going to be buddies with but you. See, this, Very this, social. This comes from me hanging around Pat Royce all the time, though. That, that's what this comes from. This comes from the old school of this is the way. I have always had an Android. I've never owned an iPhone in my 34 years of life. And I'm going to keep it that way. I think it's genius. I think you've changed, Manny. <laughs> I, I think we, we give you a headset and sit you down here and let's talk sports for a little bit, and then all of a sudden it's different. I am I, I think, Go Android. You know Go Android. I, I think two weeks ago, Manny would have been like, I have a different phone than you, but let me see if I can help you to find an iPhone charger. But now he's like, nah. Hey, nope. You just fact, asked me a question. Fact, you said, does anybody have a phone charger? With my and new I deal, told you the truth. I'm buying two two phones that aren't like yours. Manny <laughs> Manny Hill to me is an incredibly social person who just doesn't want to help people, and I appreciate that. I'm extremely selfish. Like yes. if Matthew Collar invited you right now to and said, Let's go down and get some turkey to go, you'd be I'm all in, Matthew. I'm very social now, but I didn't have to help you and that helped me. I'm yeah. smart. So I guess I'm just a different type of person than you guys because if somebody asks me, I'm like, oh, let me help you. I have the exact same charger as you, or if I don't, then I feel bad. Do you know? I feel bad okay, that I, I can't do feel help. a little bad. No, you don't. No, no, not you terribly bad. You wanted to talk about how not bad you felt. Don't feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> the, other, the other thing about this, too, that's very important is the reason why I don't like to, to help people in circumstances like this is seven out of ten times. They either purposely steal your charger and or you forget and you go home and you're like, oh, bleep, I don't have my charger. And I've had many charging cords stolen from me or lost by people that I've loaned them to. So, Okay, fair yeah. enough. But in other areas of life, where do you draw the line at, at helping other people? Oh, just just with phone chargers. Just just with phone chargers, with you'll phone do chargers. anything else for people? I will help anybody okay, else with anything Somebody's else. broken down on the side of the road. Are you stopping? No way. I don't have the equipment to ah, help somebody, there it so is. I can't. There no is. way, because you know what? I don't what? stop either. You know what? <laughs> I figure they got it. They got a cell phone probably, unless and you, they And you know what? If somebody asks me, do you have any equipment to help me? I've been pulled over on the road, and I can't. my car's out of commission. Do you have anything, equipment to help me? I'll say, no, I don't, because I don't. Here's, the, here's my fundamental question that I ask myself <laughs> every time I can help a person. Could I end up dead? <laughs> And if the answer is yes, <laughs> is I'm not going to so, help that you. That is so Judd. I'm that not going to so help Judd. you. <laughs> Someone stuck on the side of the road at night, I'm going to pull behind them. Several things can happen where I would end up dead. I could get hit by an oncoming car. Yeah, that's they, true. They, they could be purposely trying to get me to pull over to kill me and steal my money and my cell phone. So if, and your charger. And, and the charger. And the charger. And so, the charger, yeah. So not to mention credit cards. So if the if the answer is I can't end up dead, I'll probably help you if you're not going to steal something from me that I want like my charger. Okay, now here's one for you. Let's say you are at a grocery store and somebody 
who is in front of you forgot their wallet and it's like they're, they're only getting like $8 worth of stuff. Would you ever help them out? Would you ever say, you know what, I'll buy those Diet Coke oh, sure. for you? Absolutely. I yeah, would do that. I would. No problem. Yeah. I would do that. No yeah. problem there. That's probably about Zero as far problem. as I go. But that's very nice. Yeah. I think that's And really I nice. can't end up dead. I'd ask for yeah. proof. Uh, can I see? Can I see your pockets, please? Uh, <laughs> Empty your pockets, please. I mean, that'd be the most... Open up your wallet, that please. Is, that is the most pathetic scam, though. If that's a scam, that's a really sad scam. Like, sad I'm going to get Diet Cokes from all over the country by going into Targets and pretending not to have my wallet. Well, and let's be, and let's be honest. If it's some, if, if it's some dude with uh, cut-off sleeves and something, I'm probably not going to help him. But if it's like uh, if it's like a mom or something, I'll help out. So this depends on the person. Oh, wow. Being okay. courteous is actually yeah. I, I'm I'm big on being courteous, especially when driving on the road. When people don't use their turn signals when changing lanes, it drives me bananas because it is so damn simple to do. Now, what's interesting about driving here is that people don't use the horns very often, like almost at all ever, which is totally different from when I was driving in New York. Like, yeah. it, it, people do not give you the finger. People do not swear at you, roll down their window, and MF you. Like, that doesn't seem to happen here, which is nice, even though I've made mistakes before on the road and been like, oh, that was me. That was my bad. No one honked. Maybe I got a little bit of a stare. A stare is about the best that you'll get. And to them, to Minnesotans, that's like giving you the finger. But I'm like... Okay, thanks for handling that nicely. I, I will admit I've been guilty of MFing people that do things on the road that drive me nuts. Now, my windows are usually rolled all the way up, and they can't that's hear fine. me saying it. Well, but. then that doesn't count. Yeah. That's, 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 that's I saw, I saw a, ro- a road rage on 94 last I once last grumbled week. to myself. I showed them. I saw a road rage on 94 last week where a guy cut a guy off, so then that guy came back to speed past that guy, mm, yeah. and there was a definite middle finger extended at oh, that point. That's rare. I was proud of them. I think that's rare. Yeah. I was proud of them. We but, need more of that. But here's the problem here, and this probably includes me. People in the state just can't drive, yeah. so it'd be a gong show. If we started to honk at all mistakes, right. we'd be honking constantly. Every merge I mean, would pe- just be people honking at each other. How, how does an entire state have a population unable to merge? Because we can't merge, and I'm bad at it, too. We've never learned how to merge properly. The zipper merge is the easiest possible thing, and it makes the most yep. possible sense. And, and yet, in this state where we will, for the most part, bend over backwards to be nice... We will go bumper to bumper not to allow the uh, zipper merch hooker. You know what? I don't get it. I do like about the driving in the state, though, is I was always so poor that I never wanted to get a ticket. So I was like, drive 57 in a 55 and still kind of <laughs> looking around like, all right, no city coppers. I'm going 58. Like. And, and it, when I was driving in New York, people would be flying by me, giving me the finger and, and so forth. And uh, now here, I could drive 58 in the left lane for seven miles, and people would just sit behind you and be like, okay, it's fine. I guess, I guess this is the speed limit, no problem. And I, so I don't have to worry about like being dangerous by being slower than other people because I'm trying to avoid a ticket. It's so annoying, though. And that, that's another the turn problem turn signal here. thing just drives me nuts. But the left lane, I can't stand it. The left lane slow guy, oh, yeah. also oh, yeah. very common yes. here. Yes. It's like yeah. that lane's there for a reason. Yeah, there will be somebody in a U-Haul truck going like 46, and they'll stay in the left lane the whole time. <laughs> I saw, <laughs> saw it yesterday. Come Same on. exact thing. Dude in U-Haul truck just taking his time. <laughs> it's like, you're in a fast lane. <laughs> right. 
All right, let's do this. Uh, let's take a break. We're going to come back with an hour of Vikings talk breakdown. 53-man roster, Daniel Carlson, quarterbacks, everything with Matthew Collar. We're at the State Fair. Come experience the State Fair. Live. 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 With 1500 ESPN.